It's podcast time. It's Pete Price. And I've got a fabulous lady who I've grown up with, a lady called uh, Suzanne Grant, who is the commercial uh, director of Mersey Rail, which is a fascinating subject. When you think of it, Mersey Rail is responsible for over 20 million passengers every year. One of the largest train operators in the UK. And um, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And she's also had a little bit of a, um, a past Chester Zoo, Radio City, to name but a couple. So I thought it'd be nice to spend some time with Suzanne and find out where we stand and what's what's it all about with railways. First of all, Suzanne, thank you for talking to me. Hi, Pete. How are you? We met at City. We did, yeah, quite a long time ago now. Um, but yeah, very good memories of City. It's probably, must be over 20 years ago now. Wow. What did you do at Radio City? So I actually started off on work experience at Radio City. Um, I was sent as part of a placement from university. But then I was lucky I came back and I actually started at reception. So I worked on reception at the tower and then I was um, promotions coordinator. And I was lucky I progressed. And when I left Radio City, I was marketing manager for Radio City, Magic 1548 as it was then, and City Talk, which had launched about a year before I left. It's interesting you say that. What I like to get from these podcasts is I want people to realise that anybody can do it. Anybody can make it. But it's hard work. There is no easy way around hard work is that now if, if you want something you've got to work for it um i i have worked hard i've been lucky i've been given opportunities um people have been able to see potential in me and they've given me the opportunities but ultimately if, if you want something you do have to work for it suzanne who is suzanne growing up uh, so growing up, I grew up in Aintree, um, only child, um, yeah, had a, a nice childhood, lots of good friends, um, I've always lived in Liverpool apart from a year when I went travelling, but yeah, I went to school in Muggle, I went to Maricourt, um, stayed there, did A-levels and then went to John Moores University. Simple as that. With your mum and dad going and travelling, did you ever think you'd finish up as commercial director of a train? Absolutely not. Even when I joined Mayor's Rail, so I've been with Mayor's Rail for 11 years now, um, but I joined here as marketing manager, so my, my background's marketing. And when I walked through these doors 11 years ago, I never dreamed for a minute that one day I'd be the commercial director. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? It really is incredible. Suzanne, we won't talk about strikes because that's a minefield and you have a, an opinion privately, but there is a professional opinion, so we won't leave strikes alone. The railway industry is, though, a bit of a nightmare these days, isn't it? It is. Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of disruption. Obviously, strike action is impacting passengers right across the country. Um, really, confidence in rail is eroding, and, and that's a real problem. It's a real concern. Um, you can't rely on, on being able to complete a journey at the moment, which is, which is really sad. Um, but it is something the industry is very much focused on. And ultimately, from our perspective, we want to to provide the best possible service we can and our passenger experience is, is vital to 
us. But the rest of the rail industry nationally is very aware that there's a lot of improvements that need to be made. Do you think people take it for granted uh, that we've actually got quite a very good industry in the railway industry? No, absolutely. So if you look at the Mersey Rail Network, um, so we have the best PPM um, in the industry. So, Explain that. So PPM is the number, the percentage of trains that arrive within five minutes of the, their advertised time. So last year we had 95% PPM, which means 95% of 600 trains per day arrive on time or within five minutes. And um, we always get really good passenger satisfaction scores. So our average pa- passenger satisfaction is about 96 97% and that reflects the efforts that we put in but how the, the city region perceives us. So I think here do you know, things do go wrong and I'm, I'm not trying to gloss over that you know when, when we but have things go wrong in every industry absolutely but ultimately we're, we're a really good rail network that people can rely on and it is it is frustrating that regionally and nationally things are going wrong at the moment and it can taint the industry as a whole. Explain, I'm talking to uh, Suzanne Grant, who is the commercial uh, director of Merseyrail. Explain about the new trains and what was going on with this. So the new trains are fantastic. I don't know if you... I've been on one, them. yeah. Yeah, so they're going to completely transform passenger experience. And um, They're new, they're lighter, they're brighter, um, much more comfortable rides. The, the biggest improvement is the slide and step technology. So that means when the train comes into the station, a step comes out. So if you're um, a wheelchair user, normally you'd have to rely on getting assistance. So one of our members of staff would meet you at your, your start and end um, stations and help you board the train whereas now people in wheelchairs can travel independently so it's, it's going to absolutely transform wheelchair users lives same people with prams people with luggage it's really going to improve their experience um, we've begun the rollout of the new fleet so obviously this project is led by the Liverpool City Region Combined Authority and the Metro Mayor but we're working very closely with, with the team on the rollout and um, the rollout has happened on the Kirby line and now it's moved to the Ormskirk line have you got a problem with uh, platforms? Are there some platforms that they can't stop at or is there a, an issue over this? So it, that was always part of the plan. So our current fleet of trains run as either three car or six car, but the new trains are either four car or eight car. So ultimately the trains are longer. So platform extension work needs to take place to make sure that the platform's long enough for the trains. But this was always factored in from the start of the project. So working with the combined authority and network rail, Work has been done at stations and um, some platforms had to be raised to meet the slide and step technology and other platforms need to be lengthened and some of those works still need to take place but that was always part of the plan. One thing I am really thrilled about that you do and you get a lot of criticism as a company which you always will because you'll never please everybody but what I was thrilled about was and a very good example was the Eurovision the trains are on late I was at a function I said now don't forget the last train to Kirby sorry the last train to Chester is quarter past three and everybody sort of applauded which I thought was great now in London it happens all the time we're not London and we never will be London size-wise but can that ever happen 
So it can, but unfortunately we haven't seen the demand. So obviously during Eurovision people used the late night trains, it was fantastic. Um, one of our main concerns was could people stay out and end up a little bit too drunk to travel on, on the network because obviously safety is a priority for us and we need to ensure that passengers are safe enough to travel. But we hardly had any issues, it was just lovely crowd, people did use the trains. But when we've ran um, late night trains in the past, so we, we've done them over a number of Christmases and we just didn't get the, the volumes of people um, travelling um, to justify making it permanent. Um, obviously the, the city region is, is changing and the nighttime economy is changing so if the demand is there then obviously we'd want to look at running those services but at the moment we just haven't seen those numbers to, to justify making it permanent at the moment. Interesting you say that and I won't put you on the spot over this I'll say it you saying that about the numbers weren't there a lot of businesses also said they didn't really do well out of Eurovision yes we did the world saw Liverpool at its best ever but down the business was down at the docks it seemed to be a community that stayed down there hotels of course were full but restaurants were saying and bars that yeah it was brilliant but it wasn't what they expected so did you feel that with the trains yes we did so our main challenge was what that we didn't know what to expect so obviously this city is used to hosting events like the giants the champions league where you've got hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in the city center at any one time so we just didn't know what to expect for eurovision where whether we would see similar volumes or, or whether it be less. So the network w was, was much busier and right across the week, right from the concert up until the um, final. But no, the, the crowds that potentially we thought could come didn't come. Still massively busy, mm. such a lovely buzz in the city. But yeah, it, was, it, it wasn't as busy as, as we thought it might be. Last time I saw you working, I mean, we're in your office now and looking over Liverpool with the most amazing view. Um, last time I saw you working, you had the jacket on, the vis jacket, and you were helping with the crowds at Aintree, which is what I love about you. You're the boss, but you don't care, do you? You get stuck in. No, absolutely. Um, I love Aintree. You know, such a fantastic three days. But for me, it's really important to get out there and support our, our frontline team because it is really hard you know we, we have got relatively small number uh, of staff we've got the right number of staff to run the service but on days like that when you've got tens and thousands of people coming everyone needs to get out and, and take part and make sure that we provide the best service and um, it is really hard because a lot of us are out from you know the the first trains on the Thursday morning right up until the last trains on the Saturday night but it's a fantastic um, fantastic experience fantastic atmosphere but one of my favorite things about Aintree is that it's a it's a team effort so within Merseyrail everyone gets involved and we make sure we deliver the best train service that we can and it, it makes me proud I always get the train there and back because I love the atmosphere. It's just, and you see some of those beautiful people who've never been on a train. I remember, and I won't mention the famous person I was with, but this famous person had two friends and they said, uh, we'd love to come out with you. We think you're great fun. And I said, thank you very much indeed. They were saying it about her as well. And they said, come on, let's go in the Rolls Royce. I went, no, 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 no. And I made them get the train. Fantastic. The Rolls Royce was, was waiting at Central Station for them and they got out they loved every <laughs> second of it 
I paid for them. I treat them because I've got my bus pass, so I'm all right. So I treat them. But I'll never forget that because it's it's something you can't experience. Like, I wish it was like that all the time on trains. No, absolutely. Do you know, it's just fantastic. You you have people in the queues. Obviously, we provide music. And when the whole crowd starts singing along and people are waving their hands, it's just such a lovely atmosphere. Um, Obviously, we're famous for our flip-flops and giving the flip-flops out. But that is one of my favourite things because people just can't believe that you're given a free pair of flip-flops. And, you know, we all know that feeling when you've been in heels all day and, yeah, your feet are really hurt. And then to have someone offer you a free pair of flip-flops is is just fantastic. So you just reminded me of two stories. One, I was working in the Grapes many years ago. The flip-flops had been given out. Down came two ladies... Uh, in flip-flops and the headdress on still the fascinator and they'd been out since friday it was sunday afternoon and the flip-flops were still there (laughs) and the fascinator but they were destroyed absolutely (laughs) destroyed and the other thing is i'm going to pull you to task i got up and sang free and apparently my songs banned you did you did so everyone you sang new york new york which was fantastic but everyone just got a little bit too lively <laughs> so on the platforms and everything so next year we're gonna have to talk to you about you your song for next year yeah yeah <laughs> it did make me laugh that though it really is and it's been going many years hasn't that train service is so handy because it goes straight in to entry yeah no absolutely so we provide a seven and a half minute service and that does take a, a lot of work to to get that time table but over the three days of the Grand National Festival we carried over a hundred thousand passengers um so yeah to, to move that amount of people is, is, is just incredible an awful lot of work goes into planning it looking at the chicane and how we can best use the space at entry because it, it's not a massive amount of space and um, but we work really closely with the race course we work really closely with Merseyside Police and the British Transport Police and it is, it's, it's the best three days of the year for us. Now, you mentioned British Transport Police, which was a great lead-in for me. First of all, what is the relationship with them and you? So we work really closely um, together. Um, so obviously the, the British Transport Police are there to support us um, in case there's any issues on the network. But it's not just around, you know, general antisocial behaviour or any criminal activity. Um, we also do a lot of community and partnership work um, with the British Transport Police. So one example is we have a triage car that we wear, that we have between ourselves, the British Transport Police and Network Rail. And if people are in distress on the railway, because the railway can be a place that people will come to if they, if they, they are being if they are in distress, we have a, a car with a mental health nurse in that we can send out and, and give support, and then also follow up and provide ongoing support. And um, we do an awful lot of um, joint work with regards to vulnerable groups so for example we've done a lot of work against violence against women and violence against young girls so it's not just your stereotypical policing um, it is very much a, a community partnership as well. When I was at Radio City I spent two weeks with uh, Transport Police and went on your rail service and was absolutely horrified at the attitude of some people where they think it is their God-given right to ride free. And I was shocked at what I saw. And I was also shocked at the abuse that those transport police get, which are just nice people, as do your your uh, employees sometimes. No, absolutely. So we have a revenue protection team and their job is, is to protect revenue and to ensure that people are, who are travelling on our network have a valid ticket. And that's something our passengers tell us is that they expect, if they're buying the ticket, they expect 
the passengers sitting next to them to have bought a ticket as well. Um, we've definitely noticed a change post-COVID. Um, there does seem to be a, an increase in, in confrontation, but we do an awful lot of work with our teams to make sure that they're trained um, just to, to deal with any confrontational situation to diffuse it and just to yeah, manage it as best as we can. Um, with regards to ticketless travel, our, our team are, are doing really well. and um, We believe it's probably around 3% um, which is uh, well below the, the national average. But it is a really difficult job. And as you say, there is that very small percentage of society, society who are just, yeah, the, it, it's uncalled for, the behaviour that they do direct But I can't understand why they think it's their right to, uh, uh, to travel free. It doesn't make any sense to me. No, you wouldn't walk into a supermarket and no. expect to get your shopping for free. No. So, yeah, why would you expect to get your travel for free? Uh, we believe there's, there's, there's two types of people. There's um, your fair evaders who, you know, they... they, they they've got no intention of buying a ticket but it's the chances as well you know I was just going a couple of stops or you know I'll, oh well you know the ticket office w was closed you know I'll just mm -hmm. try my luck kind of thing instead of using the ticket vendor machine but we've got a team who's very much focused on on tackling ticketless travel and that they are doing really well. What was it like through Covid let's go back and talk about it because it must have been something you will never experience ever and none of us, I hope, will ever experience again. It must have been a nightmare as a boss to see what's going and nobody was coming out. So you and you've still got to keep well, it's a, tell us about it because it was a nightmare. Yeah, it was. It was. It, it was awful. Um, so we went for, from, you know, being really successful network and, um, you know, in, in healthy profit to carrying 10 percent of the passengers that we budgeted to carry. Um, Obviously, we needed to still provide a service for um, essential people making essential journeys and particularly key workers. So it was vital that we kept that service going to, to provide that link for the city region. The thing that I found the most difficult was that we didn't get any prior warning or any um, no kind of pre-warning on information that was being um, distributed. So we would literally be waiting for the latest government announcements. We'd be watching it on the television like everyone else. And then all of a sudden, then we'd have to sit down and what does this mean for our staff? What does this mean for our passengers? And it, it was really tough. Um, obviously, the, the safety of our staff was, was paramount. But there was a time there, you know, our staff were coming into work every day. There was so many unknowns and so much risk as well around it. It was really difficult. Um, obviously, then there was there's the um, the implications on us as a business as well. So we're carrying 10% uh, of passengers. Obviously, our, our revenue massively declined. Um, and there was an impact in that across the business where we had to reduce our costs. Did you ever come to the stage where you were going to close down? No, we could no, that wasn't an option. Um, we have to provide that service. You know, we knew we were carrying key workers and those making essential journeys, so you know, we, we yeah. had to carry on. Who owns Mersey Rail? Explain the uh, structure. So Mersey Rail, um, so we're governed by the Liverpool City Region Combined Authority, but Mersey Rail is operated as a joint venture. So it's a concession agreement and we have two shareholders. So we're operated by Serco, who are a, a global company. And just recently we, we were um, operated by Abellio, but there's just been a management buyout and um, Transport UK have now taken over. So ultimately we're operated by two private shareholders but were governed by by Mersey Travel and, and the Liverpool City Region Combined Authority. Are there jobs in your company or is it one of those companies that is shut down for jobs because you're cutting back? 
no, there's there's so much opportunity within Mersey Rail. Um, a lot of opportunity to progress as well. So the, there's always um, frontline roles coming up. So everything from station assistants to station retailers to, to train managers. But what you find is once people get into the company, because it is a sought after company to work for, people will progress and you can move around within the business. And we've got such a, a range of roles from, you know, we've mentioned revenue protection to head office roles. Um, here in our head office, we've probably got around 100 staff. Um, then we've got um, staff based out at two depots, one in Birkenhead and one in Kirkdale. And then obviously all of our, our station um, staff at, right across the network. So we probably employ over 1,200 people. So th- there is, there's, there's plenty of opportunity and there is got good opportunity to progress. Who actually owns the stations? We're at Lime Street right now. Who actually owns the stations? So it's actually Network Rail who owns the stations. So we work, we operate the train service. So the Liverpool City Region Combined Authority have just it's it's public money that's bought the new fleet of trains. So the new fleet, you know that they've been bought by the the people of the, the Liverpool City Region. We operate the service and then Network Rail own the, the the stations and the the the, inf- or the rest of the infrastructure so it's very much a, a, a tri-party partnership it's interesting so the shops like marks and spencers and mcdonald's and all, they would uh, operate with or, or do their deal with network rail not not with mersey rail so so lime street is network rail so that's a network rail station so yeah marks and spencers and your your boots they they all have their relationship with network rail so looking at the mersey rail network so we have rm to go stores and um, so there are convenience stores where you can buy soft drinks and snacks and, and use papers so they're operated by us so i have a, a team here who, who run rm to go stores um, we want to try and bring national brands onto our network so for example we've got costa at LA SP, but it's us that manages that relationship with Costa. Um, what we'd like to do is to bring national um, brands into our city centre stations, but we also want to provide opportunities for local independents as well. Um, so we're all, we, we've got, um, we work with a, a partner who looks after all of our rental opportunities across the network. Um, but you'd be surprised that the number of tenants that we've actually got on the network who are either operating businesses or running coffee shops. Um, but there are there's, there's opportunities as well to be involved in the railway through those. When you first came into this business, because to me it still sounds complex who owns what and who's got what, because you're all working together as partners, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. yeah so yeah. it is. So somebody else owns the rail tracks, don't they? Yes. <laughs> so it's massively complicated. So if you think, so <laughs> thanks. You know how stupid I am. <laughs> no, no. If you think there's there's Mersey Rail, but we're governed by Mersey Travel and, and the Combined Authority, but we're working closely with Network Rail. Then as well, we've got um, national bodies that we're answerable to as well. So we've got RDG, which is the Rail Delivery Group. We've got the DFT, which is the Department for Transport. So it is very much. It's a. It's a it's a multi-stakeholder environment so yeah it is it's interesting really interesting i didn't mention at the beginning which i forgot and i wanted to mention it you were working one stage for chester zoo i was yes i spent two years over at chester zoo and yeah two fantastic years now that is an amazing project now that i mean i remember when you weren't born i was a kid going to chester zoo it's always been big now they're building a hotel there with the giraffes and did you see the potential was it what what were you doing when you were there so when i joined chester zoo i was there for two years as marketing manager so it was it was my job i was part of the team who encouraged it encouraged um, 
uh, people to visit the zoo. But when I got there, the they just started on the the expansion plans, and um, so they were in the process of developing islands, which that increased the size of the zoo by a third. Uh, massive development. But yeah, they had the plans there. Then they drawn up for the hotel and a whole host of of other activities. But yeah, it's it is incredible to see where the zoo was when I was there to where it is yeah, now. And yeah. you know, it, it is a huge business, show. huge business. Um, but yeah, and uh, charity so fantastic as well. All of the all of the the money that is raised by um, Chester Zoo goes back into conservation yeah. and has that yeah inc- impressive. How much time did you spend with the animals working there? So, do you know, so where I sat, you could actually see the gibbons and you could hear the gibbons singing. And if anyone's heard a gibbon sing, it's, yeah, it's not, not what you think it is. Um, it was lovely, you know, you'd, you'd literally just walk out a door and you were in the zoo and you could have a little walk around and go out at lunchtime and have a little walk around. But it's like any job, do you know, you you become that caught up in the in the day to day that it can be, yeah, it can be weeks before you've actually gone out and had a little walk around. But it is a, a special place. As commercial director of Mersey Rail, uh, Suzanne, what's the future? So future for us, you know, there's an awful lot going on at the moment. Um, obviously, the new fleet of trains is is the transformational project. That's our, our main focus at the moment, and, and rolling the fleet out across the network. And um, for me and my team, one of our biggest projects as well is modernising our retail offer. So at the moment, the majority of our tickets are sold on an, an orange ticket, and the rest of the industry is actually ahead of us. Um, and our passengers are becoming frustrated now in in this modern world that we live. In. People don't want to queue and have to buy the ticket. They, you know, they want to be able to either tap a card or, or tap their bank card um, and, and be charged the, the cheapest fare for their journey. So modernising our, our retail offer is, is the next priority for us. Is that a big period. job? It is. It's huge. Yeah, it is. It's the you know the infrastructure in the back offices. If you think we've got 68 stations across the network and um, bringing in technology that would allow someone to, to tap a, a bank card or to tap their mobile phone and have the guarantee that they'll be charged the, the, the cheapest fare for the journey. It is, it's, it's a massive project and it's also, it, it needs significant investment. But we've been working closely with the combined authority and hopefully within the next months we will be able to announce um, some improvements that we'll be able to Any make. talk of any new stations or any new lines? Yeah, so Hebbelt Lane is the next station. So Hebbelt Lane is on the Kirby line and that will expand, extend the Kirby line out um, into the Tower Hill area. I don't know. It, for, for those people who, who know the area, it, it's, it's a fantastic um, development because it will take the railway right into quite a, you know, a significant housing area. So people who've had to walk or um, drive or, or catch the bus to the station will only be a couple of minutes walk now. So that's a really good improvement. Um, then next on the list will be um, James Street. So Liverpool, um, Liverpool Baltic is its official name. Oh, down so to the Baltic. Yeah. Yeah, so that'll be fantastic for that area. There's so much uh, regeneration going on in that area. Obviously, Baltic Market and everything that's going on. That will help link the, the city centre to there. Um, there'll be improvements at Sandhills to accommodate Bramley Moor um, when Everton move to their new that's stadium. That's going to be a big one, isn't it? That's going to be a big one. It's got to be because it, it could be huge. 
Yeah, so what, between ourselves, the Combined Authority and Network Rail, we'll look at how we can best utilise that space. Um, and it's not just for the football matches, hopefully, the, you know, the, with the, the, the size of the stadium, yeah. absolutely. So an awful lot's been done now to look at the crowd management mm. for the station. Is there any talk of doing something more to Liverpool Airport? No, so Liverpool Airport isn't um, isn't in the short term plans. So any project like that is um, led by the combined authority. And um, what they're looking at at the moment is potentially expansion into Skemmersdale and along the Wirral lines um, and out towards Wales, maybe towards Wrexham. So they're the priority areas at the moment. Um, with the new fleet of trains, we are going to have battery um, operated trains. So that will allow the track to be extended, but without a third rail having to be put in. So for example, the, the Hebbelt Lane station at Kirby, it will be battery powered units that will um, operate um, on the line with the view that between Bazakley, sorry, between Kirby and, and Hebbelt Lane, there's no need for a third rail because the battery operated trains um, will, will power. Um, with that in mind, that allows um, further expansion across the network. When do you see, if, if you've got a date, roughly, um, the, the, the change of the ticket pricing, as in tapping with a, a, a card? Is it years away or? No, so. Our vision is to hopefully make improvements next year. Um, we'd like to start modernising next year with a view that within the next um, one to two years we, we would be able to um, modernise our retail offer. Obviously this is um, something that the Metro Mayor Steve Rotherham is really passionate about um, because his vision is to bring a London style um, ticketing solution to the Liverpool City region. So we very much share that vision and we're working closely with the team to look at how we can bring that in. I know you like traveling and I love traveling and I always use the trains wherever I go because I'm curious. Do you do that? Do you no. Know? No, <laughs> that's I don't actually know. <laughs> yeah, I, I mentioned that for a reason. I found that uh, the trains in Japan were the best ones I've right. ever, ever been on. Yeah, no, absolutely. People always talk to us about yeah, Japan and China, the bullet trains in China. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Bullet trains were crazy. So what do you say to people, to finish off now, what do you say to people that abuse they don't realise how important the train service is. They take it for granted. Public transport across the city region, it's a lifeline. So it's taking people to work. It's that link to family and friends. It fuels the, the local economy. You know, obviously we want people to travel to restaurants, bars, shops, and we want to be the, the methods of transport that we use just to, to really drive the, the local economy and, and to ensure the city region is it's at its full potential. And I think also to finish off, Please show a little bit of respect for your staff. Absolutely. Our staff work so hard and um, they're really passionate around, about the roles. They build really good relationships with customers as well. And, um, you know, we'll be on stations and you'll see that they, they know the regulars. They they know how the children are. You know, they, they know if they've got special occasions coming up. So, yeah, they, they deserve to be treated with respect. Suzanne Grant, Commercial Director of Merseywell, thank you for talking to me. Thank you very much, Pete. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. Why not subscribe? You know it's free. So join us and tell your friends. It's great going on walks and doing whatever you want to do and then putting Pete Price on. We've got a back catalogue of over 100 interviews. Join us. Subscribe. It's free. <laughs>